With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Oh, the stuff we're doing. There is, <laughs> there is stuff happening here. Just so you know, whenever Todd and I begin to podcast, uh-huh. Todd comes over. And so we start in on all the stuff that we have to get done. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah, it's for a sure. huge long list. It's almost crazy because, you know, all this admin stuff and emails and yeah. talking to sponsors and, you know, everything that's going on. And then we're like, oh, you came over to podcast. We got a podcast. <laughs> yeah. anyway, An hour wait, later, go. we have to go. So it's, it's all good. But we're having lots of conversations behind the scenes right now, specifically related to YouTube. So I wanted to try to clarify Indeed. this. There will be... Much more clarification, I am certain. But if you're listening to this, like the day it comes out or months from now, what I'm about to share is important either way. We are adding a second YouTube channel. We've had our main YouTube channel for <clears throat> more than a decade, I can't believe which that. is crazy to say. Since 2007, we were one of the first car YouTube channels on YouTube at all. And we've done all kinds of things for there. But it originally started as obviously an enthusiast channel, finding cars that are fun and doing comparisons. Well, it's yes, gone to all yes. kinds of other things as we've grown and done other things. But <laughs> right. what we found weird is that car washing our, videos, cars on totally. salt flats, exactly. just weird, weird stuff. stuff. What we found is that generally our most of our subscribership for the original channel isn't interested in a lot of the SUVs and stuff that we get for press cars now. Which we're excited to get them because we want to talk to you guys about cars across the whole spectrum on this podcast. So we're glad to drive them and do videos of them, but they don't necessarily go on that original channel. Mm -hmm. So we're making a separate channel that is the Everyday Driver Test Drive channel that is for all of the other non-enthusiast-focused stuff, of which there is tons. I mean, I I wish we got a sports car in your driveway every week. We unfortunately don't. So (laughs) what we need – here's what's weird. Now we're restarting a channel. We have all these things we've never had to do forever. Here's the crazy thing, Paul. I don't know if you thought about this. We were so early on YouTube that we were invited by YouTube to be in the beta program for monetization. Which is crazy strange. As we like to joke, then YouTube was cat videos and family vacation photos. And it was just, hey, look at what I did on my Mm -hmm. latest weekend Mm -hmm. jaunt off to camping or whatever. That's what YouTube was founded upon totally and if you can believe it the channel predates dslrs <laughs> so the gear has right. changed over the years yeah, a just little bit too just it's been but a while. that's okay yeah. what we're saying is this has not come without a lot of thought and careful consideration yeah, yeah. and because just think of this as a proliferation of the brand and totally. a, a continued growth and extension and so we're excited to share with you and we need to lean on you guys all you listeners we need some help for, for this sure. as well because what's going on is in order to get that channel really legitimate and up on its feet. First off, we're going to feed it with the, a lot of the fast blast content that you have seen. We're going to pull it to this channel because that's where it goes now. Yes. Obviously, lots of new stuff is coming because we're getting press cars of fast blast. every week. Yes, we're going to start calling everything test drives to go with the test drive branding. But the, but here's where Makes we need sense. the help. Makes sense if to If you will go to our website, everydaydriver.com, hit the YouTube tab, you can see both channels represented. We need you guys to subscribe to the new channel, the Test Drive channel. Even if you're not a person that's really going to watch many of the SUV videos, we have to get to base levels of 1,000 subscribers to be able to have the flexibility to get the URL we need and to monetize and to, to do all the stuff we can already do on the other channel. We haven't hit those milestones yet. Mm-hmm. So we need you guys to please subscribe. We're going to be pushing all the old content there, and the new content is going to start hitting that channel in early September. So we've got a couple weeks here to just get it up on its feet, and you guys need to help us please with the numbers to get that channel on its feet so we can get all of the features we've had forever. I didn't even realize yeah. all the features yeah. we had that we've just had kind of grandfathered because we've been around so long. It's that now 
now we have to build. So if you guys will help us by, again, everydaydriver.com, hit the YouTube tab, follow the test drive link, and subscribe there. I know you may see it right now. It's a little bare. It'll be having a lot of stuff hosed at it over the next few weeks (laughs) and the new stuff in September. Manufacturers continue to send us cars and trucks that are what people are buying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. When the channel started... It was still a myriad of all kinds of vehicles. Mm. But as consumer tastes have changed, the kinds of cars that are available in press fleet inventories are the cars that and trucks and SUVs that manufacturers mm. want to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we want, you know, hey, the cool hot sports car, that's not what they're wanting to sell. They want to sell you the Venza or the... <laughs> yes, they do. What, you know what I mean? Whatever yeah. that is. Well, And so we continue to get those press mm-hmm. cars and we're thankful and we're... We're amazed and yeah, we're continually cool. getting those press cars, but we needed a place to put them that didn't interfere with all the other activities that we were doing and the other channel growth. So I mean, test yeah. drives, that's what we're doing mm-hmm. each time. Totally, and, yeah. and they are a fast blast, but that's what we thought to kind of separate them on mm-hmm. the first channel, but it wasn't separating them quite enough. Yeah, and so this yeah. is more of a delineation. And again, the growth of the show with your guys' help. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, as we keep getting the fun cars to drive, we keep building TV episodes and comparos. We're excited about those and the old ones are coming to YouTube. Some of the new stuff's coming to YouTube. The Step Brothers piece is coming in a few weeks. And currently on TV, we just had the Step Brothers piece play. And this coming Saturday, we're still putting out new stuff. We have our C8 piece coming to TV. <laughs> yeah. So in case you haven't noticed, yeah. there's a lot going on. We love the enthusiast stuff. We're trying to do all of it. And by the way, thank you guys for watching the Crazy Salt Flats piece. Yeah, yeah. That absolutely. was nuts. I, I'm still just thinking about that whole day and Losing the salt, my phone. The salt's and, still on your car. Oh, well, I, the salt's still in my pants. It's, the pants it's crazy. That I wore, There's it's so like much. Embedded. And we it's, had those flags out there, and it's it's salt is everywhere oh, yeah, still. I for sure. guess I shouldn't be too surprised, but hey. Well, I used that one flag to try to get salt out of my wheel, so that's that right. flag were, will never be the same. Yeah, ever, you were like ever, digging ever. at your wheel. And yes, like, I will. I guess, well, whatever. That's what they're for. Transitioning a little bit to Blipshift, mm-hmm. we have our own channel, our own place on Blipshift. Our own Blipshift, section of Blipshift, yeah, for sure. Which is fantastic. So we're going to continue to populate that with new t-shirt designs. We've talked mm-hmm. about this forever, but we're thrilled to really, truly partner with Blipshift and let them actually handle a lot of the design work and the fulfillment because they're excellent. The quality is excellent. So go to Blipshift and you can find us. You scroll down, you can find the Everyday Driver section. Yeah, we're under the partners there. So we'd love to have you guys buying shirts from there because their their quality is so good. It's been better than anything we've been able to get by ourselves, which is one of the reasons we partnered there. It's definitely a great place to get shirts. It keeps reminding me every time we talk about it. There's two shirts on there. I don't currently have my own closet. I know. I need my shirts. I I feel like talking to all of you guys is like you're you're involved in this process, even though we can't hear you, but you're (laughs) involved in everything and so honestly thank you for the ongoing support and it's todd and i want to grow the channel expand the brand because of your support and because you like it and uh, we love producing the content and the whole point is sharing our thoughts and just being car friends and talking about cars and what it's like to drive this car and it helps in buying decisions we realized we had not talked to our friend Nick Griot in mm-hmm. a long time. It's yeah, been over sure. a year, sure. I believe. And so we decided to email him and say, hey, can you join the podcast? And he said, absolutely, he would be thrilled. So we're happy to have him back on, and we're calling him right now. Hello? Nick, hey, it's Paul. You got both of us on. How are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Really excited well. to talk to you. It's You're, been so long. Yeah, man. we're thrilled to hear you. It's very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. Um, just a crazy, crazy time. Staying very busy. I hope you guys are doing well. We are doing well. We've been busy. I think you guys have been far busier than us because as everybody's been staying home, the thought has been, 
I have a project in the garage. I also, th- I also <laughs> yeah, think that people no are getting frustrated being in the house with the family. They're like, I'm out in the garage yeah, doing stuff now. Exactly. I'm leaving. I'm going to go wash my car and detail the heck out of it. Hey, I, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. We've been saying it since day one. Have fun in your garage. And it's resonating pretty well mm-hmm. right now. Um, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, with whatever it may be going on in the world, uh, I don't want to watch the news. <laughs> you know, I want <laughs> yes. I, I want to check out and get in the garage and whack something or vacuum up. Perfect. You know, all the the news is Cheerios. my wheels are dirty, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to clean. Well, them. and you can also organize that world. You can have your little own control over that part of the world. Yeah, it's all right in here now. Yes, I'm thinking about garage storage. I'm thinking about organization. I just want to get out there and like putter around. I'm like, oh, I need to clean that. <laughs> You have decades yet to putter. I know. It's great. (laughs) It's the greatest thing. So on those lines, actually, you guys, this was your 30th anniversary year, and you were planning a big event. Obviously, that didn't happen this year because 2020 is a loss. So are there rescheduled plans, or what's what's going on with the 30th? Yeah, so we're still um, making a point to celebrate some of the brand's history throughout the catalog. Um, But yeah, that big event, I mean, we're having – Hoping to have you guys up there. We for had, sure, for sure. yeah. you know, Pacific, Pacific Raceways pretty much fully leased out, and uh, a bunch of our, um, you know, club support that we do with Porsche Club and BMW Club. We had a pretty hefty RSVP list established pretty early on, and I know that we love having car shows. The biggest yeah. disappointment I, I'm having right now is I come into work and there's about five people in our office, my dad, myself included, and the parking lot's empty and it's sunny. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest shame, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Normally, normally in the summertime in the Pacific Northwest, that's when all the cars come out and everybody's excited to come share. So, we will be doing something special. Uh, you know, it will be our 31st anniversary, I presume, but you, um, yeah. you know, just having having a car show with, you know, over a thousand vehicles and however many participants and spectators would have been drawn to that. It was not responsible. I mean, sure. nothing yeah, feels yeah. responsible right now to, to congregate in big groups. So we'll do yeah. it when we're able to, for sure. Yeah, cool. It was sort of like uh, George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, you know, as Danny Ocean, he would say, this is our second, third anniversary. Yes. You can start doing something like that. This is our <laughs> first 30th anniversary of... Wait. You, now, you're, now you're just confusing I'm, yourself, I'm confusing but I take myself. your point. That's very I'm not good. Math. So I'm are, are, you, are you going out and driving much? Are you and your dad going out? I mean, have you driven anything like new and different recently? You know, actually, um, every year I get out on the track about six or more times, um, whether it be in the Ridge, which you guys are very familiar with. Yeah, it's awesome. Which is right down the road from us, or uh, even down to Sonoma at times uh, to run that track. And mostly it's to stretch some of our race cars and just continue to develop as as a driver. And so I will be going out to the Ridge again uh, next week, and I had... I had gone earlier this, this summer. Um, so I've gotten two, I'll get two sessions in this summer, which is, uh, again, below average, but still, still great. And I've mm-hmm. been running, um, old formula Fords. We had, oh, cool. we have two, Very two cool. of them oh, that's that cool. are, you know, they're treaded all mechanical grip. So not like, uh, I mean, you guys did a, well, I just watched the episode where you guys were at the racing school and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah. and so I actually was, Pretty excited watching that episode, thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back out and, and do that myself." Can you, <laughs> you know, you're. I, I think Todd, you said it best. You know, you're racing yourself 
the most, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. not for sure. I'm not Lewis Hamilton. I'm yeah. not competing against anybody <laughs> yeah, except yeah, right. myself. Yeah, totally. Well, didn't the front straightaway at the ridge change? Is that all new and different now? I've gone there probably about again six or seven times the past three years, and nothing nothing's different there. I know that there's a lot of development going on. They now have a new clubhouse. Clubhouse, that's what I was thinking uh, of. That, okay, yeah, I thought they were changing the front straight or putting a kink or something. I think in they there. have the option for a kink, but I think it depends on the series that's out there. Oh, okay. but keep going. Okay. Yeah, so they're building up that infrastructure uh, just to be able to host bigger and bigger events. And uh, yeah, we had a really nice catered lunch in their brand new kitchen. And the last time I was there, it was great. We got to go back. I Yeah, I'm already thinking about that. And Lemons was tabled for the moment. You know, yeah, we're yeah, thinking yeah. about Lemons Race and that was tabled in October. And it's like, ah. That's where we are. It's just where we are right yeah. now. So, so if you can't go to the track, do you do what the rest of us do? Do you do any online stuff? You know what? I have not set up a simulator. I have one that was in storage when I moved uh, into my house. And, you know, right after my move, my son was born and, you know, it just turned everything upside down. I'm, so, so what I'm are you happier saying? for you're it. being a father? What, you, what, what on earth are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? Know. You know, off being a father? What's that about? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't want to have that argument with my wife with a six month old <laughs> saying I'm going to dedicate three hours to this yes. video racing simulator while uh, our baby cries itself to sleep. So <laughs> I totally get uh, that conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we've been talking about the Bronco a lot. Of course, it's all in the news, and I see you know a lot of. Uh, People who work for Ford are pretty thrilled that it's continued to be in the news. And you guys had mentioned, you and Richard had mentioned your interest in one back when we had the virtual cars and coffee. Yeah, we were on live with you guys, yeah. That was two months ago now? Something was that, like that yeah. April, uh, May, something like that? Anyway, you were talking about that, and you know, here it is. Have you done anything with that? Have you pursued it at all? So I committed. Uh, oh, I, you did. I, okay. I committed the whole $100 needed to reserve one. Um, <laughs> Which is refundable, right? Yeah. You can order it and see, well, maybe I don't want it, and you can change your mind, right? It's refundable. And you know, the reality is that uh, they've had so much demand. Our, our local dealership, um, I had been trading phone calls with the representative uh, who, who received my reservation, and he said, this little dealership in, in Lakewood, Washington – had received 600 plus reservation requests for the Bronco. You are and, kidding. Whoa. And he was just, I mean, it, you know, there are three Ford dealerships within five miles of Griot's garage. And okay. this one happened to receive 600 uh, reservations. So I think they knocked it out of the park. Uh, first and foremost, I love it. I love the adaptability, mm -hmm. the different um, trim levels, all the, the options. I, I hope that the production model has all of that adaptability. And then with all that demand, my biggest fear is that we're going to get to the time where I really need to pull the trigger and they're going to say, oh, it's ten dollars or $15,000 more yeah. than, than you wanted to. You know, I just, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't tolerate markups. I just us either. I totally agree. We've been talking about that lately. As a matter of fact, we've been talking about. We've had a story about somebody who would, you know, was experiencing that from a dealer. Essentially, told that, you know, hey, you can have it at MSRP, and then it came in and said, nope. Now you got to pay markup if you yeah, really want. Yeah, it. A guy that, we'll go to the next guy in line. A guy that ordered a C8. We heard from a from a listener. A guy that ordered a C8 ordered it. It arrived at the dealer, and the dealer called him and said, "Your car is here." But we can get twenty grand more for it if we sell it off the showroom floor. So if you want to pony up that, you can still have your car. Oh gosh, it's, yeah, which it's is so staggering to me. Anyway, yeah. go on. It's dirty. It's yeah. oh, dirty. It absolutely uh, is. Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't feel good, and uh, so I—that's what I hope. And Richard, because of that, because he knew where the 
um, car had gone. He had tried to get a, or the, at least the dealership that we were assigned mm-hmm. uh, based upon where we live. He had tried to buy a, a GT350R from that same dealership and had the exact same experience. So mm-hmm. he had he had committed to it. He had put a deposit on it. And then as the rubber was meeting the road, you know, the, the wishy-washy, you know, markup started and mm. he just said, I'm not dealing with them. So I think he still wants one. I think he's probably going to try and buy one, uh, without pre-committing, which I understand sure, in sure. some respect. And quite frankly, uh, you know, I think they've sold half a million cyber trucks the same way. Right. Exactly, um, exactly right. Ooh. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that thing already. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't forgotten about it. You're trying to block it I'm from your mind. To... It's a different reality. Although it's not I... that you forgot. You just kind of keep trying to build that blind spot on that thing. I admit I have a slight interest in driving it and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I want to maybe put it on camera in an episode, but then most of me is turned off by it. <laughs> most of yeah. my design sensibility. But, I'm just looking at like, Really? But but to your point, really? Nick, I, I think that Ford is going to be cranking those out much faster than Tesla is going to make cyber trucks. But I still think the demand <laughs> they, they do know how to make cars. Yeah, and trucks. the demand yes. is going to exceed the supply if everybody that's put down that hundred dollars actually wants to go through. Even half of them want to go through it. I yeah. mean, six hundred at your local dealer is insane. Yeah, and they were he was uh, hedging the production date as well so that it would be sometime you know middle of next year. Even though Ford had promised, uh, you know, production would start in February or March. So, I hope they have their hands full. You know, it's mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was a bit a bit of good news to see like uh, something that wasn't Chevy's Blazer rehash, right? They yes, yes com- you're so right. You're so <laughs> right. I hate that you're <laughs> they, right. <laughs> yeah, they committed to a concept, obviously Bronco, and it's just got so many cool uh, features. You know, you're starting to see. It on the Rubicon Trail getting hacked up and being put to use. I, I love that. So um, I'd be really excited about it and uh, would definitely buy one. But I just want all the boxes to be checked as it relates to being being treated fairly yeah. in, in buying a new car. Indeed. Well, we've been seeing the videos. Uh, I think they're on Bronco Nation about engineers currently at this moment bashing on them, still doing some testing. And they're in Moab four hours away from us. And we're going... Mm-hmm. You've, yeah, you've got it right here. Let's have the launch like right here yeah, in Park yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. How about we're four hours away? <laughs> Hi, we'll hello. Do, yeah, uh-huh. we'll do some salt yeah. flats running. We'll take them out there. We'll do. Some <laughs> we'll never get them clean, but it'll be super Bronco. fun. Yeah, and then we'll take them to Moab <laughs> and show the versatility. Come on, you, you know that that brought up something. I saw all your guys' pictures from the from the salt flat runs. I want to know how you guys clean those cars afterwards. Hopefully, hmm. with a lot of heavy rinsing, unless they're still dirty. And I brought up a bad topic. Uh, well, no, I admit to using a power <laughs> washer because of the crusty salt. I mean, it turned into dried volcanic ash on the cars because it was goopy and wet Mm -hmm. and then it dried of course on our drive home and then i fully recommend to not use power washers i do not on my on my cars (laughs) but i do admit to blasting the heck out of that maserati with a power washer wheel wells and i use that you know the drive-through brush thing that nasty brush but it worked on the wheels, but then again, yeah. it's the Maserati, and it can take it. You know, it, it's fine. It's, it's the cheap car there. I, I mean, the the Phaeton, <laughs> the Phaeton was like a, a, a monument to what we did. I still haven't gotten the mats clean, which is a whole separate problem. <laughs> but I think I'm going to have to b- borrow Paul's power washer and just pray that the mats get kind of clean. But the, the undercarriage of the Phaeton, specifically the front A-arms, looked like the underside of a cave. 
They had stalactites <laughs> holding off of them. I mean, you couldn't actually see the components anymore because it was just completely caked in this white crust that was dripping down. It had formed stalactites. I looked under there and I was like, that's almost like a science project under there. It took three or four rounds of trying to hose that off to get stuff to fall through. And then I would take it to the car wash and then I'd come back to my driveway and hose it off. I've got crusted salt on part of my grass where I park an extra car, and it's, I mean that'll never grow grass again. I've, I've, I've practically atom bombed that part of my yard, so it, it was insane how dirty those were. And the substance is the weirdest thing on the planet. Oh yeah, because it's it is simultaneously harsh. sticky and crusty. I don't know how that's even possible. I don't understand physics and chemistry at all, but that's what's going on. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. You can't get it off anything, and yet it has a crust to it. It's like, what is happening? Well, just to confirm everybody's you know, fear of taking their car into the salt, I noticed when it splattered up over the top of the Maserati because the sides got it and then, of course, the undercarriage. But then on the top, it was just the wet parts because it would rain in some parts of the salt flats, and yeah. then the rain would move on, and just it would just leave it slushy. And it splattered up over the top. And I noticed once the car was clean, the salt has eaten through the clear coat in little tiny spots all over the car. I'm like, um, hmm, good thing it was the Maserati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that. The, honestly, while we had an incredible – I don't know if you've seen the video, but we've got a video out on YouTube now that is completely absurd about this entire adventure. Yeah, but not only yeah. was it crazy fun, but I was so glad to be out there in a car that I don't cherish. Because uh, that's what you have to do. Just that's like, the only way you can do it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It may come as a surprise to you all, and I hope I don't alienate anybody that uh, believes in our products, but I really like driving a car every day that I don't cherish in my old Jeep, at least from a paint finish standpoint. Sure, um, sure yeah. It, it, it gives me a little bit of peace. Uh, but yeah, I, I, was, I saw the condition of those cars, and I almost <laughs> want to go drive down there so I can figure out the best way to recommend the cleaning process <laughs> afterwards. That's not a bad idea. There's, That's some there's legitimate a legitimate R&D. There's a little Griot's kiosk when you get back you up could, on, off of the salt flats. It's just like, a car's, car's ruined? They could bring Try the this. transporter. They could That's set really up shop funny. right there and be like, all right, as the cars roll off. <laughs> you need help, and you need it right now. Right. Yes, that's very funny. Well, as a matter of fact, there's a question for you on here. I don't know if you saw on Instagram, Nick. J.R. Schultz says, when are we all going to see a video of your Restamod Wagoneer? Oh, well, we have a pretty we have a pretty basic one up there right now, and it's really just me talking through the, the engine swap. But I know that there's more to do. Right now, I, I've kind of sidelined it because I ordered a new chassis for it, and that is was the, always my goal to do this Restamod in phases. Okay primarily because of the financial impact, but also learning what I wanted. I mean, I mean, this is the car I'm going to drive for the next five to 10 years. I am sure, convinced sure, of that. Sure. Okay. All right. Prim- primarily because of how much I hate modern technology and cars and don't like being told what to do. <laughs> yes. I, know, and, I know the laid markers there. Please shut up about it. I'm aware of where the laid marker is. Stop tugging on the wheel. I hear you, man. Totally. I'm not the one that you need to worry about as it relates to being fully aware and in tune with what's going on when I'm driving around. So it, it's uh, highly obnoxious to me. But I, I put 10,000 miles on the Wagoneer between engine swap and I did a slight suspension upgrade uh, okay. in, springs and, in springs and struts. Okay. And really, my thought was that I was going to keep the solid axles but add links. The problem is it's a 150,000-mile frame, and I would have to reinforce so much of the frame in order to mm. put what would be custom-fabricated linkage because okay. they never did uh, you know, 
four link rears on a Wagoneer that the cost of fabricating those parts and essentially taking the body off anyway to do all that, mm. it was a, it was a wash, uh, huh. or, or buying a brand new fully boxed frame from the roadster shop. So that is the next phase of that. And I will be sure to document that process. Was Very there any cool. rust under there? Had it been on the salt flats to your knowledge? <laughs> No, no, it, it, it was a. Uh, Just is that look, why they're all bad under there? Can you, can you imagine bought. seeing that on a Carfax? You're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're scrolling. Day on the salt flats, scrolling, scrolling. That'd be amazing. Like, wait, what, oh, what's and this? Those cars are notorious for falling apart. You know, under underneath it. So I, uh, I actually had won two eBay auctions without inspecting the car. Went and did inspections and refused to pay. And, you know, oh, eBay wow. actually can, uh, because of, you know, I could push my finger through uh, the running boards on oh. one of them that, that was down the street from me in Vancouver, Washington. Mm. So oh, my gosh. Just imagine uh, drinking half of your Coca-Cola and pressing the side of the can and seeing that flexibility. That was the condition of the floors. Yikes. Um, it, it photographs well, though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what they sprayed on the undercarriage to make it look so nice, but uh, yeah, they fooled me. Wow. But the, the the one I settled on was higher mileage, yes, but uh, you know it had no rust issues. It was in Eugene, Oregon, its entire life, and then mm-hmm. I found it in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So, oh wow, yeah, that's my baby. I love that car. Well, that makes I, sense. I like a, yeah. So, how old's your son now? He's one or two, something like that. 18 months. Okay. Well, there you go. I, my yeah, guess wasn't too bad. So, no. so how is he with cars? Is he a kid that only likes them to put him to sleep or what's his interaction at this point? I mean, he's really young yet, but I'm just curious. So, uh, you know, I was just remarking, I, my, my dad, uh, set a very strict standard for how you behave around cars at a very early age for me. And all of that has gone out of the window now that he is a grandpa. <laughs> oh, that is so, funny. Oh, I really? love that. That is great. Oh, soft spot my, uh, there, huh? Yeah, my wife will bring him, uh, my son's name, Oliver, will bring Oliver by to visit grandpa while we're at work. And, uh, you know, he gets to peruse the, the cars, much like when we bring somebody back to tour. But uh, Oliver is free to slap and sit in whatever he wants. And so <laughs> wow. we're, we're doing like a, That's a amazing. video. It's, it's, I, but I'm like, my skin is crawling yeah. as I watch it happen. And my dad is just laughing and having the time of his life because <laughs> no you know, Oliver sees this bright orange paint on the 9082 and he throws himself on it. And oh. <laughs> you're waiting for the shoe to drop and your dad for the first time is like whatever uh, that's amazing I'm waiting, yeah for, for my son to get booted across the garage right <laughs> um, but no it, and so he his favorite car is uh, the Fiat Jolly that, that pink monstrosity that, that is hysterical uh, because he can honk the horn and Perfect. so my exactly. dad will Put him in there, and he'll honk the horn until everybody says, "All right, that's enough of that. Let's yeah. go." Yeah, until nobody's <laughs> getting hilarious. any work done because all that's happening is horn honking. I get it. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I love I love that image of your dad, though. That really cracks me up. That is hilarious. I'm glad he's enjoying me and Grandpa, though, because yeah, that's you know different different standards for Oliver than you. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. But, Much to know. the frustration of you and your siblings, but that's very funny. I know we've got plenty of time, and you know, I I think you probably can sympathize when you become a parent. You just of course I want him to love cars, right? Yeah. I don't know how it's how or when, but 
I will say I will continue to place him in an environment where the choices are limited and hopefully that will develop some type of love. <laughs> My son really likes cars, but at the same time, it was a combination of A, an organic, organic progression on his side, and then also the fact that if he's hanging out with dad, dad's doing something with a car. So there's there's both of them. I didn't push him to like a certain kind of car. We go to a Cars and Coffee, especially when he was little, like four or five, we'd go to a Cars and Coffee, and invariably the stuff that he was intrigued by was like, really? Really, we're and going over the, there. The exclusivity but, thing that you've talked about with him and the Lotus, you know, yeah. if it's if there's like two low tie there, He's crushed. Yeah, well, yeah. Cars Which and coffee is so isn't nearly as cool if there's a bunch of the car we ro- arrived in. So that's the nice thing about the Lotus Elises. There's never that many. But when there's three or four, he's like, "Why are there so many Lotuses here?" Because he wants to have a car that's unique. We took a when we had a press car uh, Jeep Wrangler JL Rubicon. We had a press oh, car right. where it was pre-production. Yeah, he yeah, loved yeah. taking that because he knew it would be the only one there. But then, th- this is a side note, at the time, this is a few years back, but at the time, he was then frustrated because everybody wasn't gathered around. And I was like, buddy, it's still a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> it There's is a McLaren be- over there, <laughs> yeah. okay? They're not going to gather around the Jeep Wrangler if they haven't seen a two-door Rubicon yet. But it- it's been a really organic process, and I'm very curious to hear how it progresses for Oliver because it- it's-, it's crazy to watch. And I've had to have the, the challenge, and you've kind of already mentioned it, of – the opportunities there, but how he engages, I, I don't know. So I'm just leaving it alone. Yeah, I think that's the best strategy, right? Uh, we'll, we'll surround him with cars. He'll be, he'll be around dad working on cars. But, you know, if he wants to be a ballerina dancer, I'm going to support him. Uh, totally. Totally. Hopefully, ho- hopefully he drives to the ballet and back and, you know, In a something cool, cool. Car. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. See, there, there you go. See, now you've nailed it. That's perfect. Well, I, I wonder if he'll pick up on your distaste for tech and cars just because it's modeled for him. You know, you as yeah. a parent, you're yeah. going to be like, you stupid tech. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be like, oh, tech is bad. I'll throw my iPhone out or something. I don't well, know. but do you do things? Here's, a, here's a, a thought on your, your uh, Wagoneer, for example. Are you going to do the thing where you have like Bluetooth in the car, but it looks like the original face or anything like that? Yeah, I think that's, so my, the third phase of what will be, you know, I'm, I think I'm done, which is never going to be the case will be <laughs> which is never. my, yeah, my interior overhaul. Right. I, uh, I have a, a couple leaky window seams, so I get water into the car. I've already cut up all the, the fabric or the carpet in the back. That's where my dog goes anyway. There you go. Um, but that will, it will definitely be true to form as it relates to, you know, a vintage look. I don't like obnoxious audio. I like, you know, kind of just, um, something that I can definitely play the music I enjoy, but I don't need 12 inch subwoofers taking away my cargo space. (laughs) So I, it will be very subtle, but that will be, you know, full dynamat, new carpet, reupholstered Mm -hmm. seats. That's, that's the last, uh, phase of the project. And, um, once I get through the, the chassis and uh, that, that whole revamp, uh, it'll be hopefully winter time, and I'm definitely not going to be replacing carpet or, or any interior then. But Yeah, for sure. Uh, so maybe sometime 2021, that'll be the last phase of the project. Okay. That's such that's a cool. cool car. I have such a soft spot for those because my dad had a 77 Cherokee, and it wasn't the Grand Wagoneer. It was like the step down, so it didn't have the wood, you know, Dynock stuff on the sides. And after a week of buying it new, he had then had it sealed at the dealership, the undercoating, and sort of sealed the Minnesota salt right into the car, and then it just rusted from the inside <laughs> yes. out. Even though uh, so no. that was my, like my first high school car, I shared it with my sister, and I just I have a soft spot for those things. They're just this big hulking quadra track thing. You know, just that's I very love cool. Those things very cool. Well, I have a couple of actual product detailing questions I want to throw at you that have come from the audience. One is uh, Blade Silver Grandsport wrote to us and he said. He will at some point inherit slash acquire a 71 Corvette nice. with original paint. 
Oh. And he's a bit scared of maintaining that. So his question is, old original paint, that if he wants to do anything to it to kind of make it better, what products are okay? Is there anything he should avoid? What I mean, what's how, how do you even approach a car like that? Yeah, so a car that old, it is, if it has been in his family and it can be, he knows that it's original paint, I always recommend, uh, if you want to improve it, the cheapest way you can avoid any damage or uh, kind of going through the paint if you're intending to polish it would be to have a professional detailer measure that uh, paint thickness. Mm. One, that will kind of let you know if there's any parts of the car that have been repainted, regardless of if mm. the uh, stated condition is original. And um, you don't want to buy a paint measuring tool. They're $1,200. You'll use it once or twice, mm. and you'll wonder why you did that. <laughs> so measuring the paint is is your first uh, key. And on originally painted cars, you're going to have probably sub 10 mils of paint. All resprayed cars, you get to 11 to 15 mils of paint. Mm. And what, what that tells you is essentially how much paint is left on the car. And when you're talking about polishing, you're talking about fractions of mils that you'd be removing. Mm. Um, so that Again, you establish what you can do. Now, you can always take a very gentle approach uh, for clay barring and waxing the car, and that will improve the feel of the paint, and also wax will hide some of the blemishes that are inevitable over that you know car's lifetime. But I, I don't really have any fear of putting a machine or machine polish uh, on a car of that age. In fact, it's probably the quickest way to make it look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. But we always coach, do no harm, start with a gentle approach, and uh, you, can, you can polish by hand as well. But if you're really uncertain about the amount of paint there and the right process, you should start by measuring it. And okay. um, that, can, that can be done by most professional detail shops. Most shops have a paint measuring gauge because they will take possession of um, your listener's prize Corvette and you say, make it perfect. And they're going to say, I want to make it perfect. I don't want to damage it. Yeah, so I'm sure. going to verify, I'm going to verify how much paints on the car and got what it, I can, what I can actually do. So that would be step number one, uh, just to make sure you don't get in over your head. That's cool. That's great. Interesting. We'll go into the opposite end of things. Talking about dealers again, there's a question on Instagram from Gotta Go Outside who says, what type of care and prep would you suggest for a brand new car? And that is if, I suppose, if you can convince your dealer to not touch it. Do not prep it. <laughs> do not take it in the back and yeah. wash it for me Don't and give drill it holes in my yeah. bumper to put the front license tag holder thing on. Don't do that. Just give it to me dirty. Just I'll, I'll take care of it from yeah. here. Yeah. What do you suggest in the case of that? Again, if you can convince your dealer to leave your car alone. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how you convince a dealer outside of repeating it a million times. And uh, I uh, so the last new car I took delivery of was a uh, 2016 Golf R, the seventh generation, and uh, quickly got rid of that car. I didn't like it very much. Uh, it was too electronic. And uh, <laughs> what you've said, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> Very, very mushy brake pedal, very fast and fun, but just it wasn't it wasn't the car for me. But I had them keep it in the delivery plastic, right? So sure. I had to yeah, back yeah. they were, I had to drive it out of the delivery lot with literally a hole in the front windshield and I was happy as a clam. Um <laughs> I love it. Because, I love the image. Because, it's great. <laughs> because I knew nobody had touched it. But the reality is that uh even a brand new car, 
that hasn't been, uh, I'd say, molested by a dealer's detail shop sure. is, you know, probably in need of some cleaning, whether it be, uh, you know, the car was delivered on on a, a, a train. So you've got rail dust and some potential mm-hmm. fallout things sitting in the paint surface, starting with, again, a great wash, a safe wash, clay bar, uh, great ways to start. But really, I mean, I think I emailed that dealer probably four or five times saying, I do not want it washed. I do not want anyone touching it. Do not remove the adhesive. You know, I want, I want to see the stickers on everything. I want the protective plastic on the interior, really just establishing, you know, what level of care you're expecting Mm. as many times as possible. And I found that, you know, if you kind of display that level of neurotic or neuroticism, is that a word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obsession. They, they, I get it. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. They know what they're dealing with and they yeah. don't want to stir that pot. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it's worth it. It's worth it. Trust me. Um, you know, I, we call it dealer installed scratches because they'll mm-hmm. get a car. Yes. They'll have that and, and they'll take the plastic off. And the quickest way to remove adhesive, uh, would be to run it through a tunnel wash and slap it with the brushes. And, mm. you know, you get your car with uh, freshly installed swirl marks before oh. you put a mile on it. Oh, so, over here. Oh. Yes, I know you are. And, Paul's having trouble sitting still right now, but keep going. <laughs> well, and, and Paul, it happens at Porsche dealerships just as much as it happens at Kia dealerships. Oh. So it's not, <laughs> uh, it's not unique and, and you can't blame them. They've got yeah. hundreds yeah. of cars. They've got cars that they bring in for service and, People are expecting something to come back clean, and and they have to industrialize that process. You aren't getting careful hand washing. You're not getting, you know, safe abrasives. You're getting people with rotaries, and they need mm-hmm. to introduce mm-hmm. speed. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I I think the the biggest misnomer is that a car that you just got is in no need of correction or attention. That's mm. that's totally false. And then the best way is to just be the one person they don't want to deal with if it as it relates to um, like messing it. up your brand new car. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, like just, just let it, just let him have it. Like, with the yes, we got your thousand emails. Yes, we get it now. <laughs> Fine. Look, it still has yeah. stickers. We put extra stickers I mean, on. We just covered up the other portions too. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, you're investing your money Big into time. into you know your dream, whether it be again a, a minivan or a or a Macan or however many cars there are in between those price yeah, ranges. Yeah. I mean, it's your car is your baby. So you got to start caring for it right away. And, and they will not, a dealership will not care for it. They, you are a fee, you are a commission to them. Sure, so, sure. And they're, they're not, they're going to treat your car like a, a method of transit, not a, uh, you know, a, a part of your soul and, and yeah. personality. Fair point. Fair point. I have another one that I'm, that, jumps off of that because, and you may not have an answer to some of it, but I'm curious if you have a favorite product right now, and I'm going to go ahead and say it's the, it's the ceramic three in one, which I am loving, but, and I don't even know what I'm doing and I, and it's that good. It makes me as an idiot look good, but do you have a favorite product right now? And, or do you have something you guys would love to do, but the tech's not there yet? So I, I would definitely say the ceramic is, is my favorite product right now. We continue to find uses. The biggest problem with that product is for us, we, you know, we're testing and developing new products in particular with ceramic grade protection, but all of our cars have that wax on it and we have to struggle to remove it. Right? Mm, so, interesting. Gotcha. Um, interesting. Okay. That, that product was, was engineered to uh, supplement a higher solids or professionally installed ceramic coating and or give an, a complete novice the ability to 
put something on their paint that was going to last longer than anything they've ever experienced uh, without any risk of, say, uh, you know, highs and lows and some of the other ill effects of ceramic. Now, you can't see me raising my raising my hand when you said complete novice. (laughs) You couldn't see that. But I just that's I am there. So keep going. Well, I hope that when you use it, you're like, wow, this is easy. And yes. oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's making my cleaning easier and everything else. And it's durable. and All of the above. Um, and I, and I, yeah. of the two of us, I am the washing idiot. So the fact that I, <laughs> I see success is, is a score for sure. Well, that's awesome. And again, you, I, I, uh, when we were in development of that product, our, our product developer, Jeff, who lives out in Minnesota, you know, he was using it on his sinks and all sorts of places around his house. Now, do not use it on your skin or ingest it. It smells really good. <laughs> don't put but, it on the dog. Uh, it smells good, which is weird. But anyway, side note, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you can't use that uh, as it relates to, you know, putting protection on something. So, That's funny. It's very funny. Uh, but no, the, the, I think just the fact that we're making one of those products shows you how fast the technology has moved, where mm-hmm. um, for so many years – you know, carnauba wax was the standard and I still appreciate carnauba wax and it has a place. Um, and we still have many customers that enjoy that process, but polymers, you know, man-made synthetics that are more durable. And then the advent of including something that is in its highest form, very finicky being SiO2 or ceramics mm. into consumer grade products that just blow you away in terms of their, um, effectiveness and ease of use that's moved really fast. Mm. And I mean, the last time we were on the the podcast, we were just talking about primarily, you know, the, what ceramics that are installed by detailers can do. And if you mm-hmm. need them mm-hmm. right? and the advent of these consumer grade products that give you such great protection, I mean, it's going to marginalize a lot of what has been a very profitable um, process for, for detailers to do because mm. why pay $2,000 for a two year protection when I can pay 20 and get a year. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting point. Yeah. yeah. And, and do it myself and have fun doing it. So we're, uh, I, I think it's, it's a really, really interesting time because we are moving pretty fast. Um, you know, after, after ceramic or SIO2, the, we've seen the advent of graphene, which is, uh, so SiO2 is a derivative of silica or essentially okay. glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, graphene is a derivative of graphite. And now you think graphite in pencils not being very hard, but it is actually flexible. And so adding that to ceramics has some benefits. Now, is it changing the world? Uh, that's debatable. Is it pretty cool? Yeah. And does it continue to move the needle in the direction of for the person that's out in their garage wanting the very best, yeah, you can use it and you can enjoy it, and it adds some benefit to your process. You know, it makes it easier to clean the next time. If you had done ceramic, if your cars were ceramic coated before you went to Bonneville, your your cleanup would have been easier. There's no <laughs> uh, doubt about that. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's, that's pretty much that whole adventure with these sedans. It's all shoulda, coulda, woulda. Our, yeah, our headspace anyway. was somebody else gets these cars, so I don't have to. <laughs> We're just going to pass them right along. I actually, side note, I actually think that the salt fat video may have taken a bunch of people off the list and been like, you know what? I'm not accepting yeah, this car I anymore. I think they're, they're like, like I'm not, I, I, no. I thought I wanted that, but you know what? 
I'm good. <laughs> After seeing yeah. that, well, the Maserati's mostly clean. I have not had it on a lift, so I can't see underneath. <laughs> I don't know what chunks of salt are still embedded, but... Mostly clean, but doesn't run right. Visually, from but, about yeah. 10 feet, it's great. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> hey. 20 foot lookers are still uh, are still popular, you know. <laughs> yeah. That that's always been my entire garage. But anyway, but yeah, there you go. Well, uh Nick, there's questions I, as we uh wrap things up here. I highly recommend if you're in the Pacific Northwest to stop by Grill's Garage headquarters and I don't know if there's like a secret passcode, you know, it's like a, you know, speakeasy like every day and you can get a little bit of a tour. <laughs> I know it's hard to commit, but I just encourage everybody to stop by and see these guys. Whether you're there, whether you're not, somebody else can, uh, you know, accommodate people. It's just it's such a great place and it's sort of like home. Yeah, and you know, uh, I saw a couple questions about people wanting to camp out and uh you know how how do you get a tour of the back and really you know in normal times um when our our store is pretty much fully operational at this point with proper precautions Mm -hmm. people have to wear masks and social distancing all the we've checked all the boxes thankfully nobody in our entire organization has been ill and it's primarily because of you know how we've adapted and and really uh kind of stuck to our protocol but in normal times, when you know we are we're free to roam, it, you come to the store and you are polite. Uh, generally, <laughs> our our store staff will will know whether my dad or or myself are in the building, and uh, we can we can take you for a little tour. Now, what's changed since you guys were last here is that we used to have the Grios Motors operation in the back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and right. so so it was there was people actually working and doing restoration work. And sometimes the amount of tours we were doing would just get a little obnoxious for them because they'd have to stop what they were doing and talk about what they were doing. And, but that has now moved into its new facility, which is right next door to Griot's garage, but it's now separate. Fantastic. And so that back area is just a display room. Now it's an extended display room. And uh, it's very much open uh, for us to, it's not open to the public, but it's much easier for us to say, yeah, I've got five minutes. Let's go walk sure, around. And that sure. five minutes, you guys know, turns into, you know, half <laughs> yeah. of a day. Yes, it does. Um, yes, it absolutely does. <laughs> yes, it does. But I love to do that. My dad loves to do that. There's no point keeping cars hidden. They're meant to be shared. And um, we're, we're always excited when people come from a different place and prioritize coming to Griot's garage as part of their vacation or family reunion, whatever it may be, that uh, brings us an enormous amount of, of pride to know that, that we're that much on somebody's radar. So we will always go out of our way to accommodate, um, fans. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's very, the very, whole joy. Very true. Totally true. Totally. Yeah, I love that. Just, that's great. It, it only does damage to you know the the disease then we go home and like oh i saw such and such car and now i'm shopping <laughs> yes Darn it. i know paul's still yeah, looking for you... mondials by the way oh, he's still mondials. searching for mondials oh, it's the end of the mondials. world yes but they're all convertible you know what? So what a hard top just like the oh. <laughs> i was i was staring at the mondial yesterday thinking of you guys especially ahead of this thinking man i gotta get that thing back out yeah. I, I have to have to get bit by it one more time. We were all surprised by it, but Paul Paul really hasn't been able to shake it, which it's continues to make me laugh. And yeah. there, it's like one of the inexpensive Ferraris. I could get yeah. into Ferrari ownership. Yes, I, of course you I could. Mean, After your Maserati experience, what could possibly right. go wrong? I mean, I yeah, don't know what exactly, sort of maintenance yeah. bills will be forthcoming, but you know, <laughs> Mondial, they're just awesome. I, anyway, yeah. I appreciated that. We loved coming to see you, and we need to come back at some point when everything's uh, you know available and we can do a drive again. We just really enjoyed being with you guys. It was great. 
Yeah, again, I, I saw you guys go to racing school. I think we need to carve out some time to go down to the ridge and stretch out some of the old stuff. And Let's do that. With, what we've been able to do is is rent the ridge, um, you know, with kind of our, our friend, uh, Louis Shefchik at JNL Restorations. He has enough customers that we're able to, to rent the ridge for the day, close the track down. And really, it allows us to take streetcars out there to just warm them up, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to slide... Uh, an expensive old streetcar around, but I definitely want to push it a little bit to sure. burn some carbon out of it. Yeah, and then juxtapose that with some old race cars, some some mm. safer, newer race cars. Again, I saw you guys get the instruction. We we got to just go do it. Let's do it. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm practically packing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Fantastic. Right. Well, Nick, thanks for sharing again with our yeah. listeners. I know they love hearing from you, and it's been a long time. So thanks for jumping on. I, just such great information. And, you know, you can hear what Nick and Grias Garage are working on from the yeah. future standpoint. You heard it there. And uh, you can always use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. So, Nick, thank you again. Love hearing from you. Thank you so much, guys. I really hope you're doing well and uh, continue to listen and tune into the TV show. So, I'll be seeing you all soon. Thanks for the support, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. That was great. Always so great to talk to Nick. It's fun to hang with him. It it feels like family, honestly. Whenever I go there, I told him it feels like home. I walk in, I'm like, ah, all the products, all the products I don't have that I need to get. It is, it is almost <laughs> church for you. I have to admit, it's, it, it's just yeah, it, it's hallowed ground it's for Paul for so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to the whole Grios family. One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff, and that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at forty five dollars a year, you'll get six issues of their award winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. So we're off into audience questions. Starting with Rusty Buckskin on Facebook. <laughs> that is, a, by the way, kudos to that Rusty Buckskin. Is out that, that he could be That's honestly a stage name right he, there. Totally, he could be your lawyer right now, and he could be an outlaw in the old west. It just works. That's true. It's just great. Yeah, that could be like a greasy spoon diner. You, uh, that, Rusty that Buckskins. Well. Hi, what time do you open? <laughs> We're open now. That's why We're I answered the now. phone. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Slam. They exist to give you attitude. That's the whole point. Food's awesome. The the service is questionable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Rusty asks about selling your car. He says, let's say you sell your car and less than a week later, the buyer calls you and says it's throwing a check engine light and having reliability mm-hmm. issues. Legally, the seller isn't liable for any of those issues, but morally, he feels the seller should help the buyer out. In our opinion, to what extent should the seller help the buyer? Well, to alleviate this from the very beginning, that is why we, you hear the expression buyer beware. Mm, and it's mm. good to have the buyer at the time of purchase sign off and say, I understand. Yeah. You know, you've been as forthcoming, hopefully, as possible. And you give the owner, the new owner, as much information. You're mm-hmm. not holding anything back and saying, hey, you know, this happened, but it was repaired or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, mechanically or cosmetically. So hopefully everything at the time of sale is signed off. By a piece of paper and the buyer stating, I, yeah. I understand it is on me. Something comes up, but ultimately it's a relationship between seller and buyer. 
And do you mm-hmm. have a warm yeah, feeling about sure. A, the person, and B, the car, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that you're, you know, you've gotten a mechanical check and all that kind of stuff. You can't really be responsible at that point, even though you, you feel badly in your heart. That yeah, it's yeah. terrible. I, you know, everything at this point was running and working fine. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had everything as best as I possibly totally. could be. And yeah. I presented it that way. I was not trying to be, you know, mischievous or dishonest or anything yeah, like yeah. that. You know, sure, I can work with you. Hey, maybe that happened a year ago and I took it to this mechanic and they were able mm-hmm. to do this and help as much as you possibly can. But from a financial standpoint, it's it's tough to be, you know, liable at that point. But I, again, I definitely hear you from a, a heart standpoint. You want to help out. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's kind of up to you at that point and how far do you want to go. Again, buyer beware, and you've had the relationship, and you've said, "All right, I'm signing off, and I understand what I'm getting." I've always sold all of my used cars with a little form, and you can find them online. You can make them yourself. A little form that that discusses the fact that here's this car. I'm selling it as is, and I, the seller, have divulged what I know, and you, the buyer, know this, and everybody signs it, and everybody gets a copy, and they're off the car goes. But I have still had people like I'll give you an example. I, I sold my Saab Nine Two X, and I sold it to this couple. And they were very nice, and they were very excited about it. It was going to be her car, and they started a cross-country road trip because they were actually moving. They started a cross-country road trip like the next day. Wow. And I got a text from the husband, hey, have you ever seen this CEL? I have a code reader, and it says O2 sensors. And 100% honestly, I did not have an O2 sensor problem or a CEL when I sold the car. and had not seen one. Mm. It's not like I'd had a code and blanked it and sold you a car. And that's what I told him. I said, look, man, I'm sorry. Car had a lot of miles on it. Well, it was also a rebuilt engine totally. at that point. I said the car had a lot, has a lot of miles on it. You've seen that. You've driven it. I I told you everything I know. doesn't surprise me based on the mileage that it needs O2 sensors, but that's a CEL I had not seen. And that was the last conversation we had about it. Okay. It was like, okay, all right. So all you can yeah. do is be as honest as you want. Now, do you get a person on the other side of the equation that gets all angry at you? You just got to step carefully. I mean, it's almost like personality by personality, situation by situation, too. Yeah, for sure. Ben Warren says it's, you know, outside of our normal forte. Would you talk about trucks? Okay, yeah. But what are our thoughts on the new Ram TRX? The, T- thinks- the T-Rex. They couldn't get the, – that's what that is, you realize. Oh, they couldn't right. get the Darn T-Rex it. because they want to be bigger than the Raptor. They looked at Jurassic Park and went, we should be the T-Rex. And somebody clearly has the patent on the T-Rex or the, or the name on the T-Rex. So, so the T-R-X. they're TRX. Uh, that just is yeah. going to prol- proliferate license tags because everyone, this is – Yet another manifestation of the Hellcat engine yep. in something else from FCA. And they yep. looked around and thought, all right, we've got it in the Jeep and the sedans are covered <laughs> and trucks. Not in the truck yet. Yes. Let's That's drop it in the Ram. So mm-hmm. it's the TRX. Yep. So it's going to be, you know, somebody's going to do TRX Hemi or Hemi TRX or on and on and on. But what other pickup truck do you know that has a flat bottom steering wheel? I this is a pickup truck with launch control, everyone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. 6.2-liter yeah, yeah. V8 Hemi, supercharged, lots of power. This thing is designed to launch you even further off that dune to your crash site. Yeah, exactly. When you, <laughs> you will leave an even bigger crater because Raptors it's even larger. Cool. Well, but the this thing is, is it's very clear that Dodge put up the list of things the Raptor's known for and is good at. And made sure this checked all the boxes. Check, 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 now, check. this better, isn't, better, 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 this better. isn't out yet. It hasn't been driven back to back. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. The thing the Raptor does best is Drive around Baja. Park City on pavement? 
That they, yes, and go through the Starbucks. We've seen a lot of that, especially in the winter, all the time. Uh, th- there's, there's raptors in my neighborhood. There like, is <sighs> there is one that I see, and invariably, this is what happens. It's in the shoulder seasons, like when it first starts to get cold or first starts to get warm, and I get the lotus out, and I wind up beside that guy <laughs> in the all white or possibly gummy gray. Yes, for the big super cab raptor with the extra long bed. Uh-huh. So he's like four times longer than me, and like six times higher than me, and he's driving on pavement. <laughs> Just to go to like the gas station and Starbucks and through the drive-through line, it never ceases to amaze me. But the thing uh, the Raptor is actually great at, and it was designed for, is high-speed off-road. Yes, yes. So I'm very curious about. Look, I see that the boxes have been checked by this Ram. How is it high-speed off-road? Because that's the thing that the that the Raptor has been focused on. It'd be very interesting. But of course, it is. Like you've said, let's just Hellcat it all. They're doing it, and I I love it. And they're going to sell a ton of them. If you yes. thought Raptor sales were yes, high, hello, well, Hellcat engine and a pickup truck, done. And we've talked already about the fact that, that Ram is doing great stuff with their coil springs in the backs of the leaf springs and the, and the handling yes. actually, I mean, the, the ride feels really great in those. The interior's going to kill Pretty it. Interesting. Materials, it's going to be great. It'll it's going to be, be $71,000. Yeah, at least, yeah. yeah. So Becca Walker, Walker has a question on uh, Facebook. She says, what are overgri- overdrive gears for? What are they for? Why is it that flooring at a high gear has no effect at all? Becca, they are they have been around forever. Yes. They yes. used to actually like say, you know, it's like a four speed transmission with overdrive. They used to actually announce it because that upper <laughs> gear was just highway cruising gas mileage. And if you drive right, any right. Corvette of the last three generations, the top gear, the engine's just above idle. <laughs> because that's how that right, car gets right. 30 miles to the gallon because you can go across the country at 30 miles to the gallon because it's just above tick over in top gear at 80 miles an hour. They are entirely there for you to get better gas mileage. They're yeah, not there yeah. to get acceleration or anything like that. If you have to pass someone, you're going to need to get out of that upper gear to do so. Yeah, it's my understanding that overdrive is a gear ratio under one. And as Todd said, at that point, the engine is not in the peak power band. It's not making maximum torque at all. It's for fuel economy. So at that point, when you say, uh, how come flooring it in a higher gear has no effect? Well, it's my understanding, based on some something else you wrote, that you have an automatic BRZ. And it could be right in that power dip There's that when too. you're in sixth mm. gear. And so therefore, it's in a you know ratio under one. And it's not making the torque where it should at yeah. the high RPM. And so, therefore, it's going to do nothing. It's not even going to make more noise. Well, if you, if you are driving downshift. If you're, are driving an 86 chassis and you're in any gear between three and 5,000 RPMs, no matter of yes. flooring, it will assist you. You're going to have to be in a different gear because that's the worst place for that car. Becca also asks on this BRZ, she's got that auto BRZ, why is the brake higher than the gas? And so is there any point in having you know a heel-toe position for an automatic? Not really, not necessarily, because you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be braking while you're downshifting by yourself, and so you don't need to blip the throttle. Yeah, fair. With you know, you don't really need to. And just think of the mechanicals, the clutch and brake assembly is positioned differently than a power brake assembly. So yeah, I suppose, they yeah. might not have been figured out to be kind of the same or in the same area. It's just here's the design of the you know the engineered brake assembly versus the clutch and, and brake pedal. They're, they're different. So that's why the position is different there. But yeah, generally speaking, if you're downshifting while braking, you don't need to blip the throttle. Well, yeah, if you're if you're doing an automatic, you could learn to left foot brake now. You could have exactly. all kinds of crazy that's, fun. That's, that's crazy, good. yeah. Good. Alex Clement has an interesting question. I pondered this for a while. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Do you see this? Between Cadillac, Lincoln, and Genesis, mm. which auto manufacturer is in the best position to offer a Z4 or Boxster competitor? 
from Cadillac, Lincoln, or Genesis? I say Toyota and maybe Lexus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Off the charts. Honestly, I think of those three, it's Genesis. Do you? Yeah. And here's okay. why. Lincoln, obviously, is an offshoot of Ford. Ford is only concerned about SUVs. Lincoln has found their voice in the world of SUVs. They've found what they're doing. We've been waiting for this, okay? too. Cadillac is about big sedans. And if they were going to do a sports car, it's going to be probably, think about the XLR that they did. It's going to be a big country-chewing mm-hmm. sports car. It's not mm-hmm. going to be something small the and country light. country-chewer. But, but it's like the Genesis, old country squire. There, thank you. Genesis, connect, is, it writ, is it driven by Rusty Buckskin? We're going to connect <laughs> all the world. Anyway, exactly. sorry. We're having fun. Uh, but the other thing about Genesis is the fact that, obviously, Genesis is connected to Hyundai. And Hyundai is having fun right now looking at underserved markets, especially in performance, and providing something there. Mm, so I could see Kia or Hyundai, they're already talking about, the rumors are out there, that Hyundai is going to make a mid-engine car. Bring that. Okay. If they do, then it makes sense to make a nicer one for Genesis. I think that's the place it goes. We're still working on all the questions. Thank you for the backlog, guys. I've got two left here from BDoll96. What luxury car amenities do we think will become mainstream in the future? For example, blind spot monitors or more extreme mm-hmm. power windows. They, they just slice onions, I guess. They're so powerful. So I think increased intelligent safety features that were previously only available in upper trim levels like driver assistance systems, traffic jam assist that, you know, says, hey, traffic jam ahead here. Let me reroute you. You don't, you know, you don't have to use an app on your phone anymore. Interesting. Active lane change while in cruise control, which is essentially just using your turn signal and you don't do anything. The car just changes lanes for you. So it's sort of level one, maybe level two and also route based speed adaptation. So when you're in cruise control, it'll slow down for curves and corners and then speed back up for you. So it's sort Mm. of the basic level of autonomy, but it's all these car manufacturers way of introducing us to the future of autonomy. It's coming, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but let's just, you know, a toe in the pool. Let's just start with your turn signal. (laughs) Drive less, sit more. (laughs) Damn it. Patton has the question. I think that's okay. on our mind right now because okay. he's talking about he's, he's one of our patrons. Thank you, man. He's one of our patrons. and All our patrons are on discord and they get in a lot of discussions. You are, you and I aren't even part of, yeah, no, we get on there I and know. we can just scroll for these amazing conversations. It's very cool. But he said a lot of people on discord right now, himself included are trading cars up for other things. They're, they're going for a new experience. Are we thinking about that for Cayman and Lotus? Now, two thoughts at once. First off, <laughs> Every time I drive the Lotus, I say out loud, I love this car. I know. I, I know. love it a lot. And there isn't a place for me to go and have that experience amped up, short of, I guess, like a McLaren I can't afford. So there's that's the difficulty. So I don't know about that. But the bigger thing that's happening with Paul and I is now that we're doing these cheap car challenges, we're about to trade these sedans for a couple of those patrons. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get something else next. Indeed. So our heads are actually in that trade-up right now. And that, in a weird way, has kind of put our own cars as window we trade them on like a back burner because we're doing the hunt and that kind of stuff for how do we do the next cheap car challenge what should it be and what should the money be and how should we approach it while finishing by the way the last one (laughs) i don't need two caymans every time i drive it i think (laughs) what if i kept this and just got another one the 718 gts Mm -hmm. and then i had a lineup of gts caymans and i i don't need that all right last question here bryson 5657 says, what's our least favorite trend in automotive design right now? Well, I suppose it's less about design, but more about the engineering. And that is, first of all, all-wheel drive systems that really just drive around in front-wheel drive mode. If oh. I have an all-wheel drive car, I see, I come from a 77 Jeep Cherokee <laughs> Quadratrack <laughs> that 
just yeah. it's always in all way everything drive. was moving yes and I also had an Audi Quattro, which was a 50-50 yeah, split. It was yeah, okay, always in all-wheel drive. Point. I don't want just, hey, it's an all-wheel drive car, but the car gets to decide for you. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, if yeah. I buy an all-wheel drive car, I want it to be in all-wheel drive and have a 40-60 or 50-50 split all the time. And working all the time. Yeah, because otherwise, that. if it just drives mostly in front-wheel drive mode, what's the point? Well, Why did you buy it? That's an excellent point. The other thing that happens here, it happens in SUVs. It happens in a lot of hatchbacks that do with this kind of stuff. I feel like the – because the all-wheel drive is supposed to be smart all-wheel drive. We're saving you gas because it's front-wheel drive, and we'll go to the rear when necessary. And I feel like those systems are always a step behind when I need it to have switched. Right. I just want it on. Because they find the slippage, and then they go, oh, I should do something. And by that point, it's already happened. <laughs> You're already off the cliff, and now the car decides? <laughs> You're airborne, but all four wheels are spinning. It's great. Where were you three minutes ago? And the second one is hybrids that don't do anything to improve range or driving enthusiasm, like 2020 <laughs> Honda CRV hybrids. Oh, we're going Blech. back there, are we? Okay, all right. Just in case you didn't know my distaste for you that were car. A fan. You were Honda a fan. can do better. Let's have future hybrids be amazing on range or suddenly they drive better than ever. And it's not just hybrid for the sake of, hey, we're just doing a hybrid because we can. No. Let, what is the point? If we're going to do hybrid, the goal is fill in the blank. What? <laughs> it does what? It, we're all waiting for the answer to well, that You question, didn't get better range. Very funny. You just, I lost power and the car hums in a weird way and it's too loud and it drives weird. <laughs> No. So so you're saying you're a fan. Hi. Thanks for all your questions, guys. Like I said, more than we can get to, but we're continually working on it. Really appreciate all your support. Let us know what you think. And definitely check out everydaydriver.com slash YouTube. So you can go right to everydaydriver.com. And then the second tab over is YouTube. Click on that and please subscribe. Thanks for all the support. Cheers, everyone.